Welcome into Outkick the Show. I am your fearless leader, Clay Travis. I hope all of you are having fantastic Thursdays wherever you may be across this great country or this great land. Never been prouder of Outkick than this week. If you listen to the Outkick radio show, we had the President of the United States, we had the Governor of Florida, we had the Governor of Texas, all three on the radio show in the first four days of the week, all three standing up for college football. If you love college football, there isn't a single person out there in the media who has done more to advance the cause of college football happening than your boy right here. There also isn't a single media outlet that has done more to advance the cause of college football happening than OutKick and your boy. I have never been prouder of our media company than the dominance we have displayed this week in driving the national conversation, in beating back the loser Corona bros who are trying to cancel everything. I apologize to Big Ten and Pac-12 fans. I couldn't maintain enough strength to manage to keep them from making idiotic decisions. But I did, I think, help to a large extent in the SEC, the Big 12, and the ACC so far in being able to keep college football from being canceled across the board. And I am increasingly optimistic that we are going to find a way to play college football this fall at many different schools. Let me tell you why I'm increasingly optimistic. Obviously, the governor's coming out, Texas, Georgia, Florida, two of the three on our show, and there are more governors, I'm told, who are going to come out publicly endorsing college football being played in their states in the next few hours and in the next few days. Uh, But there are good signs from testing that's going on on college campuses. It hasn't gotten a lot of attention because the media is filled with corona bros who want to go out and spread doom and gloom and fear porn everywhere. But 99.7% of all Notre Dame students returning to campus tested negative for the coronavirus. 99.7%. At Alabama, I believe it was 99.2% of all people returning to college campus tested negative. What we are seeing early on is the percentage of college kids that are testing positive for this virus is way lower than the percentage of people testing positive in the different states and communities. Now, this is an intriguing question, why? What I would also be interested in is how many of these college kids have already had the virus, many of whom had no idea that they actually had the virus already. Uh, And so they're testing negative now, but they're not just testing negative now. That would mean they would be unable to get it or spread it. I think there's a lot of college kids that have already had it. Now, here's what we need to prepare for. The Corona Bros in the media are going to wait for the outbreaks to happen on campus. And when you're bringing tens of thousands of college kids together, it is inevitable that fraternity houses are going to have coronavirus outbreaks. That some dorms are going to have coronavirus outbreaks. That some people are going to get the virus going to class. Some people are going to get it going to cafeterias. But here's what the data reflects. They're all going to be fine. And so there will likely be when people return to campus and boys start chasing girls and girls start chasing boys and everybody gets together to have a good time, there will likely be an increase in the number of coronavirus cases out there. It's inevitable. But 
We can't panic. We have to look at the actual data and make good decisions about what should go happen going forward. And I just got to uh, praise right now the SEC, the Big 12, and the ACC so far, as well as several other smaller conferences for actually looking at the data and making sound, smart, realistic, legitimate decisions that are founded in reality as opposed to idiocy. I apologize and feel bad and feel empathy for the Big Ten and the Pac-12 fans out there that are recognizing what a disaster their president's decision is. And again, I just want to go to the hypocrisy of the Big Ten in particular. Okay, let's go to the Big Ten in particular. The Big Ten is allowing students back on campus. They are allowing students to live in dorms. They are allowing students to eat in cafeterias. And they are allowing student athletes to train for 20 hours every week. The only thing they are stopping from happening is actual games. In order to make that decision, you have to believe that the primary method of coronavirus infection is going to be athletic contests, which is absolute lunacy. All of the risk factors are still there for the student athletes who are going to class who are living in dorms, who are going to cafeterias. It makes no sense in any remotely intelligent fashion for that to actually be existing. Here's what I think is going on. What we have in this country is a huge collection of pussy willows. People who don't understand how to assess risk. Here's an easy assessment. College kids are more likely to die of the seasonal flu than they are of the coronavirus. Yet we never shut down college campuses for the flu. They are more likely to drive, to die driving in cars to their campuses. They are more likely to be murdered. They are more likely to die of a drug overdose. They are more likely to die from drinking too much alcohol. They are more likely to die from suicide. All of those are bigger risk factors for death for college kids than the coronavirus is. This represents a monumental failure of American society. I believe, ultimately, this is going to be looked back on by people with functional brains as the worst decision of American policy since the Vietnam War. I think we're going to look back on it. The shutdown, every way we responded to the coronavirus is going to be looked back on as an unmitigated disaster. Okay, worst decisions across the board since the Vietnam War, certainly the worst decision in the 21st century at a minimum since we went to war with Iraq. That is where we are headed. And that, my friends, is an unfortunate travesty of absurdity. Uh, Okay, several different things. Um, Mark Cuban is mad at me. You see Mark Cuban hop into my mentions today, the owner of the Dallas Mavericks. He was mad that I pointed out that Sean Hannity had, I believe it was 4.6 million viewers last night, Tuesday night, and that the highest rated NBA game, which featured, I believe, his Dallas Mavericks, or whoever the heck it was, only had 930,000 viewers. Sean Hannity is rising up and dunking all balls in the face style on the NBA. So is Tucker Carlson. So is Laura Ingram. And all three of those shows on Tuesday night had more young viewers than the NBA did. 
The NBA likes to say, oh, all our viewers are young. That's why our league is so valuable. 18 to 49-year-olds, that's the youth, that's the, the measurement according to Showbuzz Daily, uh, 18 to 49-year-olds watched Tucker, Sean Hannity, and Laura Ingram more than they watched the NBA. The NBA ratings, they're tanking, all right? The NBA can try to argue that they aren't, but if you compare the NBA ranking ratings with every other sport that has come back, they have collapsed, and it's because they've gone full-bore political. And Mark Cuban, I got to say this, Mark Cuban can come and argue with me about ratings, but I asked him, I said, hey, Mark, you got any opinion on Hong Kong democracy? You got any opinion on Chinese concentration camps? You got any opinion on taking billions of dollars from modern-day Nazis while pretending to be all about social justice in your league? The hypocrisies are mind-blowing, okay? And the NBA is the most hypocritical league probably in the history of American sports in the 21st century. And the reason why people are tuning out is because the American public in general is not stupid. They see this hypocrisy and they've pieced out on the NBA. Uh, On top of that, the NBA continues. Mark Cuban won't say a word about China because he's afraid of upsetting Chairman Z and ending up with a lot less money in his pockets. If you want to sell out to modern-day Nazis, that's your economic right, but don't try to pretend human rights and social justice in the United States while denigrating the freest country in the history of the world. Mark Cuban is a hypocrite. He knows it, but I told him he has an open forum on my radio show if he wants to come on and try to defend the NBA and defend the NBA owners and answer questions in a legitimate fashion, unlike in China and unlike in the NBA, the First Amendment is alive and well on Outkick the Coverage, which is why our audience continues to absolutely dominate. I appreciate all of your support. But an open invite to Mark Cuban to come on and try to make his arguments, which he would fail, and actually get dunked on by me. Open invite to you, Mark Cuban. The Seahawks have cut a rookie cornerback because he was caught on video trying to sneak a woman dressed as a Seahawks player into the hotel. I've told you guys, the number one threat to teams, to leagues, and to everything getting shut down is man's uh, undoubted quest after women. Imagine that you are a rookie for the Seattle Seahawks. You are trying to make the team, and you are also so out there chasing a chick that you decide, hey, I'm going to risk it all and try to get her into my hotel room. They caught him on video trying to dress his girl up to pass as a Seattle Seahawks player. Uh, I saw the report in a Seahawks hoodie that they thought they could sneak her in. Instead, he got caught and the Seahawks released him because the potential danger of the bubble being punctured among the Seahawks was that she could sneak the coronavirus into the team hotel. This is really funny. Absolutely ridiculous. But you know what's always undefeated? Fill in the blank. Pussy Willow, undefeated. Brings down everybody, even a rookie who's trying to make it in the NFL. This is a really funny story. I got a question for you. Anybody notice how the sports media completely vanished 
when it came to covering Major League Baseball. We watched the Braves every night in my house because my nine-year-old's a big Braves fan. Braves have now played 20 games. They are a third of the way through the Major League Baseball season. Everybody was losing their mind over the Miami Marlins testing positive. The Marlins, by the way, now 8-4, and four, leading the NL East. It's a heck of a story. I know the Cardinals have only played five games, but all of the drive-by Corona Bro left-wing media has suddenly vanished. They were demanding that Major League Baseball shut down. They were all up in their Corona Bro feelings. And all it took was Rob Manfred to say, yeah, we're not going to shut down. And after two or three days, the story completely disappeared. This is an interesting study in how to respond to anger on the internet. You just have to weather it. And after two or three days, it goes away. It doesn't last. It isn't real. You can't bend the knee to the mob. You can't adjust your decisions based on people being mad at you on the internet or what tweets are being sent. I gotta give credit to Rob Manfred for staring him down and saying we're playing. And I think it's an instructive lesson for college football. If the ACC, the Big 12, and the SEC will just stare down the Corona Bros and say the data is clear Playing college football this fall is the right decision based on everything that our doctors are telling us and everything that we're seeing on our campus. The Corona Bros will melt. They're a bunch of snowflakes who can't handle being opposed and the masses are not with them. Go look at the mentions of every Corona Bro out there. There's a huge gap between the media that covers sports and the fans of that sport The media that covers the sport is super far left wing. Most fans are reasonable. Middle of the road. They are destroying the Corona Bros every single day in the mentions. And Twitter already leans far left wing. And the Corona Bros are still getting destroyed in their mentions. Major League Baseball is an instructive lesson to why you need to stick by your opinions. Have some backbone. Be willing to handle two or three days of negative news and then it disappears. Uh, The MLS had a game in Dallas, I believe, last night between Dallas and Nashville. They had around 5,000 fans present. When the players kneeled for the national anthem, everybody in the stands started to boo or a large percentage of fans in the stands began to boo and they started to chant USA, USA, USA. It is a bad move to be kneeling for the national anthem in front of sports fans. And all of these leagues are mortgaging their future in exchange for making a few people who are losers on Twitter and are perpetually aggrieved and are not actually fans of their sport happy. The NBA is already bearing the brunt of the stupidity of their protests. Major League Baseball has effectively abandoned any sort of social justice motivations. Same thing has occurred in the PGA. NHL is doing nothing but playing their sport. The NBA is getting crushed. And if the NFL follows the NBA's lead, they will get crushed too. It is a bad decision to decide to bring far left-wing politics into sports. Fans want to watch games. They don't want to be lectured to by athletes. A couple of other things. Kindergarten. People say sometimes... You don't actually believe what you say. That's a criticism I get. 
People be like, oh, Clay Travis, he doesn't even believe what he actually says. I live my life based on the same advice that I give you guys. A couple of days ago on Wednesday, yesterday I guess it was, my five-year-old officially began kindergarten. I walked him to in-person school myself. He has now been two days and he absolutely loves it. Absolutely loves being present in school. I'm putting my kids out there because I look at the data and I'm making the same decision for my kids that I'm making if I had college-age kids. Kids from kindergarten all the way through grad school should be in school. My uh, oldest kid starts school tomorrow in person. My youngest kid already does, and I hope my middle kid will be able to be back in school soon. Kids need to be back in school. I love my 12, 9, and 5-year-old boys more than anything in the world. I've got three young boys. All three of them need to be back in school. That's what the data reflects. There is zero doubt about it. And I am living my life as I'm telling you guys to live yours. Can't live your life embedded in fear. My five-year-old is ecstatic to be back in kindergarten. Props to his teachers and to everybody else who has young kids that are able to go back to school right now as well. Finally, there are a couple of talking points out there from Jeff Brom of Purdue about the Big Ten playing in the spring. Uh, Look, I don't want to shoot down people trying to be creative. But the idea of spring football is not logical. If you can't play in September and October and November, why can you suddenly play in January? Nothing is changing except it's getting colder and cold and flu season is becoming more paramount. This is a stupid argument. If you can play in January, then you can play in late September. It doesn't make any sense at all, the Big Ten plan floated by Jeff Brom. I don't believe that the Pac-12 or the Big Ten will play at all. Keep in mind, several different factors about spring football. Last year, 80 players were drafted in the Big Ten and in the Pac-12. 80. None of those 80 players, 48 in the Big Ten, 32 in the Pac-12, are going to play in the spring. They're going to all start to train for the NFL. So you're lopping off immediately probably 80 to 100 players who want to do the NFL combine and want to be in peak physical condition for the NFL, if players aren't playing for one bowl game, there's no way at all that they are playing a spring football season, which, by the way, isn't even in the spring. It's in the winter, okay? It's not spring till March 21st, and it's even later than that in the Big Ten where the weather is atrocious. On top of that, it's not safe. It's not going to be safer because... If you're concerned about safety now, in the winter when viral loads are higher and when there are more infections, it will be even less safe. And there's not going to be a vaccine that miraculously is here for college football players in January, so the coronavirus danger is going to be the same. Finally, the two seasons are too close together. You're going to have players expected to play 20-plus games in the space of seven or eight months. If you claim to care about player safety, it's much more dangerous to play that many games for young people that close together than it is to play either right now in the fall or again next year in the fall. The simple truth of the matter is this. The Big Ten and the Pac-12 have failed their fans. They failed their players. They failed their alums. 
and they failed their coaches and everybody else who relies on the Big Ten season happening. And as a result, the Big Ten is not going to play football again until 2021. Guess who's going to play? I think the SEC, the ACC, and the Big 12 are all going to play. This could turn into a big political issue going forward. If I were Donald Trump, I'd be banging the drum about the stupidity of the Big Ten because I think there are a lot of fans that are undecided who they're going to vote on that if Donald Trump kept saying in Pennsylvania, in Michigan, in Ohio, in Wisconsin, all those toss-up states that could be won this November that he disagrees with the decision not to play, I think he'll probably pick up some fans. I love all of you. My name is Clay Travis. Go subscribe for the OutKick VIP. I appreciate everybody that is supporting us. Thank you for making this so far the best week in OutKick history. Go subscribe to our podcast. Go read our website, OutKick.com. Go sign up for the OutKick VIP. You get an autographed copy of my book. I love all of you. DBAP, unless you need to SBAP. I am Clay Travis. I will be live on Fox Bet Live here in about a half hour. I will see you guys. Thank you. Kisses to all of you.